Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Got Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. It's basketball time. We talked about football last time we met, guys, but now Carolina faces Georgia Tech on Saturday in the Smith Center, coming off that 59th straight win in Chapel Hill against Clemson. Ross, I'll start with you. Looking at the box scores the last couple weeks, Joe Barry's minutes or quite frankly, alarming. To me, knowing the grind that Carolina is going to face over the next couple of months, your thoughts there, how does Roy Williams get those minutes down? How does he do it with Seventh Woods still out and Jalen Felton just not really playing well? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the number of minutes is a little concerning, like you said, just kind of the wear and tear, um, knowing that they have so many more games in the ACC to play and given the challenge uh, for, at the AC tournament and in March from the NCAA tournament. But I mean, these guys are young. I mean, I'm fine with you got to play your best players. I mean, the best players play it, and Roy's going to ride Joel Berry, hopefully not into the ground, but it would help if, if Jaleek Felton could um, contribute some meaningful minutes. Obviously, that's not happening right now. Uh, you were talking about how you, um, how Dewey Burke in a, in a previous podcast uh, said that Roy doesn't trust. Jaleek and I mean that's clear because he pulls him out if he makes one mistake we saw it against Clemson I think he he made a turnover or had a stupid foul and, and Roy pointed right to Joel Berry to get back in the game so UNC is operating essentially with one point guard and then a a very uh, underutilized uh, and maybe rightfully so backup and Jaleek Felton, who just can't contribute in the ways that uh, Roy wants him to. This turns to Seventh Woods. I know we've talked about that previously. Is UNC missing Seventh Woods? Maybe Seventh Woods' experience would be more valuable than what Jaleek Felton brings in these scenarios. I think Jaleek Felton is a little lazy on defense, and, and I know um, uh, Seventh Woods did have the potential and the speed and maybe the instincts and, and the experience to be a better defender, um, but I, it doesn't seem like he's going to be back in the immediate future. So it is kind of the Joel Berry show. And hey, he knocks down four threes in the second half. He, he's kind of the heart and soul of his team. Five for five from the free throw line against Clemson. Um, and just what he's doing is big for this team right now. And they need him. And he's playing at a high level. And I think he understands what he needs to do. And he's very smart in terms of recovery and getting, uh, you know, getting massages and hot tub and cold tub, and all that stuff. So, you know, it's a senior year and um, he's young. And I think, you got to ride him and uh you know you got to win games to, to get to where you want to be and uh and, and hopefully that doesn't bite you in the in the butt later on but um i'm not too concerned about it let's just say that greg looking at the box score the cumulative box score i mean he's only averaging 31 minutes a little over 31 minutes a game um, that is fine, I think. But the 36, 37, 38 minutes, and I think he played all 20 or most of it, most all of it against Clemson. Your thoughts there? I mean, looking at Carolina's lineup, now that Cameron Johnson, I think, is firmly cemented in the starting lineup, and we can talk about that more, but you've got two guys over 30, one guy right at it, Another one almost there in Pinson, and then you've got Cameron Johnson at 26, and then nobody else is more than 11.7. I mean, is that – that's not a typical Roy Williams lineup at this point in the season. It may get there, 
and it has in the past. But your thoughts there, I mean, is it concerning or like Ross says, you play your best players and you roll with them? Yeah, that's that's an interesting dynamic. Uh, it's a good question. And I really think what we're seeing, and a lot of it kind of goes back to what Dewey said. Uh, I think what Roy Williams has shown that he's done over the years is he plays a lot of guys, a lot of minutes early in the season, especially in non-conference, with the hopes of building their confidence and, and letting them trust their teammates, letting him trust them, and building that relationship. And by the time you get to ACC play, he kind of knows what guys are going to give him. Now, in certain games, certain guys may not give him what he needs. So he, they may not play as much in that game, but they'll get minutes in other games. And that's kind of been his uh, SOP for however long he's been coaching. I think the problem this year is that you've got three bigs in Manley, Brooks, and Huffman, who he needs at least one of them to be productive in a game but he's not got one that he can consistently rely on. And Huffman's playing a very little. So it's really Brooks and, and Manley. And depending on the game, I mean, Clemson, of course, it was pretty much all Brooks. Manley played a little bit early, but that was, that was essentially it. But then you start looking at the rest of the roster. You know, Playtech's giving him some good minutes, but now that Cam's back healthy, uh, you don't necessarily need the minutes there. And so I really think it kind of comes down to, to the point guard spot like you guys talked about. And if you just kind of look at what Felton has done in, in recent weeks, I mean, he played five minutes against Wake, five minutes against Florida State, both competitive games. Got 10 minutes against BC, which is a blowout. And then only a handful of minutes uh, against Notre Dame. Got five against Notre Dame and then three against Clemson. So the fact that Seventh Woods is out and Roy Williams is not riding Jalik Felton more I think that's pretty clear. And I found this quote very interesting from Roy. Uh, this is in reference to Garrison Brooks. He said this last week when he was asked about you know, Brooks no longer being in the starting lineup, kind of how he handled it. This is, this is Roy's quote. I think I'd be stupid if I didn't just play him because you're not going to get better if you're not given opportunities. And I, I think that speaks to how Roy has always handled things. And that's what I mentioned earlier about giving guys a lot of minutes early in the season. But just because he may need you, you still have to earn that playing time. As he's always said, he doesn't have favorites. He picks whoever's playing the best. And Jalik has, has shown flashes, but he's he's a liability defensively and has not given them a lot. So I, I really think it's a situation where they need Woods to get back, even though that may be a few weeks away, uh, to give them another option. But to counter all that, I'm a little bit surprised Given what Theo has done, like Ross has mentioned before, uh, you know, whenever he's dishing the ball and facilitating, what what was the stat, Ross, that you had? Um, when uh, when Theo Pinson has five or more assists, UNC is ten and zero. When he has more assists than turnovers, UNC is twelve and one. Okay, so when Pinson is facilitating, UNC is very good offensively, especially when they go with that small lineup. So what I'm kind of curious about is. Okay, maybe Felton's not giving you what you want, and Woods is on the bench because he's hurt. Why not still a few minutes and let Theo kind of run the show? You put him out there with with you know, Cam Johnson and Kenny Williams, and I mean maybe teams will full court press you and you have to change your plan, but most teams aren't going to do that. So maybe give Theo a few of those minutes to take some pressure off Joel. Um, 
So it is kind of curious, but I, I do think kind of at the end of the day, Roy's not going to play these guys that so many minutes if he doesn't think they can handle it. And while he probably doesn't like it, and while he said before he doesn't like it, uh, as Ross said, you kind of have to play your best guys, and you kind of have to lean on them a little bit. One thing, I'll, one thing I'll add real quick. Um, I mean, this is this is kind of stuff when you're not playing a a five star guy like Jalik. This is kind of stuff other teams use to recruit against Roy that he holds players back. He doesn't play them. He doesn't. Uh, he wants to kind of limit their what they can show to keep them in school. I don't know. Maybe thinking too much too much into it, but I think it's kind of an example of what other coaches and programs will use to recruit against UNC and can point to like, well, Jalik Felton was a five star and he went to Carolina. And he played three minutes a game his freshman year. Do you want to do that? So that's just a, a little tidbit I'll throw in there. Well, that's a good point. Um, but there's a line there, and I think Roy Williams' success maybe, especially in the last couple of years, I don't know if it gives him a pass on that, but when I look at Felton, uh, he's obviously very talented, but Greg, you said it, I think. he, Or maybe you did, Ross. He, he's not invested enough is a polite way to put it, I think. But, you know, it's, Whether it's just catching the ball, it's a little lackadaisical. And he's not going to play, but Greg, going back to the quote you had about Garrison Brooks, I think it was, Roy said, you need to play him, but Felton's not playing. And y'all kind of stole my talking point on Pinson. Pinson at the point guard, I think he plays it, does he not, a fair amount, and then pushes Joel off the ball. Um, But you're right, I hadn't seen him out there without Joel doing it. But your thoughts there with Barry moving off the ball and maybe letting Pinson play the point even when Barry's on the court. Yeah, I typically do that, um, and you know, because there, there are a lot of times in the half court set where Pinson will facilitate, and he does a good job getting to the lane and being able to kick out. Um, and because you know, Joel's, as we've said so many times before, he's not your traditional point guard. He's really more of a scoring guard, playing point guard. And that's the other thing, Tom. Is okay. So Felton's struggling a little bit. Why not put him on the court a lot with Joel? And let Joel slide over to the two. Um, we haven't seen that a whole lot. And that's an easy way to get him experience and to have Roy yelling at him from the sideline and have Joel yelling at him on the court. And that's a good, you know, a good way to kind of know what you can and can't do and what you are and are not doing well. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting that Roy's handling this the way he is. I mean, clearly there, there's a reason he's comfortable doing it as he's doing it. Uh, but there are other options that, that he's not going with right now for, for whatever reason. It's interesting that we're talking about that. And, Ross, I'll come back to you. We talked about Cam Johnson off the air. I think my biggest concern for this was the chemistry factor bringing Cameron Johnson back in. And I think it was an issue until Roy Williams decided to start the small lineup. Your Your thoughts on – how Johnson's kind of worked his way back in and how he's, I don't want to say blossomed in the small lineup because Notre Dame was not good, but certainly against Clemson, he was as good as he's been. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little credit to Roy there that he is uh, bold enough to go with his, with the small starting lineup to play his best five players, the most talented five players, the, the guys who can score and be productive the most. And Cameron Johnson has really thrived in that role. It's starting to thrive more. 
uh, go back to the Virginia game when I was sitting next to Greg in Charlottesville, and he looked awful. Notre Dame, he didn't look great either. Uh, the staff gave him a grade of F for his performance in South Bend. You know, I wrote about that uh, last night and this morning, kind of looking at Cameron Johnson. And I know Greg and I were both kind of in the scrum when Johnson came out of the locker room on Tuesday night. Uh, super great interview, uh, great quotes, very introspective and, and um, you know, thoughtful with, with what he tells us. And um, it just seems like everything kind of came together against uh, Clemson's six threes. He, he kind of fits perfectly in that secondary break role as being able to find kind of an open spot along the three-point arc and kind of drift to an open spot. And then UNC made that extra pass. And I think the last three or four years, going back to Marcus Page, uh, the Marcus Page era, UNC has been such a good passing team. They're just so unselfish. I think having a guy like Theo um, Pinson on the team has been huge because he he always is looking for the open player. And then Kenny Williams is another guy who – who turned down a, a couple o- kind of open threes to hit Cameron Johnson, and he was just stroking it, stepping into threes, um, one dribble threes, and, and he, he talked to his dad and worked with Hubert Davis about um, you know centering his feet, getting his feet underneath him, and uh, and stepping into threes off each foot and adapting to how he caught the ball and. and being comfortable catching the ball in different ways and still being able to to shoot. So that's kind of a, a look inside what he's done to improve himself. Um, but he, he loves playing for Carolina. I think he values the level of basketball these guys bring. I think it's refreshing for him to, to, to know that you have to, that at, you're supposed to win every game at UNC. Whereas you talk about Pitt you know, and back-to-back losses was just kind of a normal thing as y'all can understand. Um, they didn't win too much up in Pittsburgh. So I think, as we expected, he, he's a, a great addition to this team. And we saw how special he can be when things click for him and the UNC offense um, against Clemson. And if he can shoot like that, or at least shoot, you know, three or two or three to four threes a game like that, it, it really makes UNC's offense um, a pretty dang good, um, especially when other guys are able to knock down threes as well. You're listening to the Inside Carolina Radio Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Greg, three-point shooting. Kenny Williams, first-half guy. Cameron Johnson played well. Your thoughts on maybe a point that Ross just made, and intention or not, something like Williams kind of deferred to Cam Johnson in the second half. And a lot of people have been talking about Williams' play. Look, he plays... He is Roy's favorite for a reason, I think, uh, and he shows it every night. But the sh- the scoring, first half to second half, is it's different. It's kind of weird to me. Your thoughts there, is that anything that you see going on there um, as to why that's occurring? I mean, he comes out fast start, and then in the second half, he's more of a, a glue guy. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't know. I would say the the only things, you know, possibly if he has a a good first half, teams adjust a little bit 
and play and pay closer attention to him. But I've seen some of the questions and concerns about, hey, what happens? You know, does he just get tired in the second half? What is it? I always just kind of go back to Marcus Page, I guess his junior year, when it was all hashtag second half page because he always had these slow starts. And then once you got to the second half, here comes Marcus on fire. And you know, Roy was asked about that time and time again. And Roy was like, look, if I knew how to get him to shoot that well in the first half, I'd have already done it. And I'm sure if we asked him about Kenny Williams, he'd give you the exact same answer. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of a fluky thing. I don't know that there's really anything to it. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he, he he takes advantage when he has the opportunities, and then uh, he does. This you know, shot selection um, you know, is, is more conservative at times in the second half. And uh, he just focuses in on being that glue guy, like you said, playing the defense and those types of things. So, uh, it, it, and he, you know, he just kind of brushes it off. He doesn't think it's that big of a deal. And so, I, I, I tend to agree with him. I don't, I don't find it that big of a deal either. Ross, Luke May took a, another beating against Clemson. I, I didn't think he had broke his nose. I thought he had split his jaw or split his cheek wide open and it was I'm not sure how he got a cut where he got it against Clemson but just talk to his performance I mean he struggled at times against guys that are bigger than him but anytime he has a favorable favorable matchup he doesn't disappoint and he, he plays well your thoughts on his performance the last couple nights yeah I mean look at the stat line 11 points last night five assists four rebounds it wasn't his biggest night but a good stat stuffing line there um and it just shows that when he doesn't score as much as he had in the past UNC can still win with what Cameron Johnson and and, and Joel and Kenny did um yeah I think it showed a lot him coming back from that uh, you didn't you would expect him to do that knowing how tough he is and kind of his competitive mentality um and he looks after that big game he had the 32 point I think 17 rebound performance looks like he has a little bit of bounce in the step he's shown a lot more emotion he was bouncing all over the court in the in the late in the second half um, being a little chippy grabbing big rebounds and he's just playing with a little bit different uh, enthusiasm I think and showing a little more emotion which, which I think is always good for a player because um, you know he's going to play within himself and he kind of understands his role and he's a great teammate so. Um, yeah, I mean, I think people were down on him a little bit when he struggled against better competition, and we'll probably have that discussion again. But, uh, I mean, it's it's all – I think you have to be super happy with kind of how he's been this season. And it looks like it looks like he's settling into kind of a first-team All-ACC level season, um, if not second team. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he has to play pretty good and be a big-time rebounder for UNC because he is that main big man now. And uh, he is thriving going against uh, bigger players. I think he can take him off the dribble and be a little more active around the block because um, he is strong enough to hold his own on, on 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 the boards. Greg, come back to you before we wrap this show up. Joel Berry has not shot it well, but he seems to do it when it's needed. I mean, he's shooting 39% overall or almost 40% overall, a little over 40% from three. Your take on his performance and how he's able to step up, especially from behind the arc late in games. Yeah, and I think Joel is one of these guys where he's steady Eddie. Um, and I actually wrote an article about that a week or two ago about when you look at how North Carolina does kind of on an individual basis in wins versus losses, 
the one guy that's even, whether it's wins or losses, is is Joel Berry. Um, he doesn't shoot a great percentage, but he he rarely shoots a very poor percentage. Um, and he just has a knack in late game situations of knocking down some some big threes. And I think that's one of the reasons you know, Roy kind of dismisses whenever there's questions about, hey, you know, is is Joel struggling? Because he's always been more of a volume scorer. But, you know, he's I think he's shooting 42% for his career, and he's shooting like 38% or so, 39% uh, this year. It's a little bit below what he has been. But in, in key situations, he's pretty dang good. And I think that's one of the things with the three-point shooting. Uh, somebody asked Kenny Williams after the Clemson game if he felt like they were falling into this, you live by the three, die by the three type thing. And, and Kenny kind of shot back, hey, you know, most of these threes that were taken, they're good looks. And so we want to capitalize on those good looks. Um, the issue, though, is if you, if you really look at what North Carolina has done, you know, in their 15 wins, UNC is shooting 42% from three-point range. In their four losses, they're shooting 28%. Um, and that's, I mean, that's pretty close to you know, living up to that, you know, live by the three, die by the three idea. And so I think that's one of the things is that North Carolina, you know, as long as they're not settling for outside shots um, and they're they're going through their offense and they're getting good looks, that's okay. But we've seen you know plenty of times when instead of moving, instead of doing you know setting screens and doing some of the things they need to do offensively, they just they just jack up shots. That's how you get beat. And I think there's kind of a, a very cautious line there because that's not typical UNC play. And I just think that's something that the team has to kind of be cognizant of and careful with as they go down the stretch because if they start leaning on the outside shot too much and it's not there, you know, that's the recipe for, for some upsets. Yeah, and when I recite some of my stats, I jump back and forth between ACC games only and overall games. That's why my stats are different than Greg's. But, Ross, to Greg's point there as we wrap this show, Dewey and I discussed it on post-game Clemson. Carolina had 13 shots in the paint against Clemson and shot 31 threes. Uh, that's not a recipe for success for this team, or is it? You've mentioned their shooters. They have four guys that can really shoot it. Pinson's shot more than he should the last couple nights, but I think he needs to you know, be a threat from there, at least be a threat to shoot it. Your take there, uh, and go ahead and wrap this one up for us, Carolina. <laughs> Carolina got through the tough stretch. Now they're in a stretch. They should have some success here in the ACC. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, uh, 31 threes is a lot, and uh, that's probably a little little more than they would like the Roy and the team would like to shoot. Um, I asked Kenny Williams, I think kind of a similar question to what I guess Greg asked him. Um, they can win with, with you know, seven or eight threes. They don't have to win with 15 threes, but they do need to be more balanced, like to get more scoring inside. I think everyone knows that. I think Roy knows that. But you know, this team is a little bit different, and they have the shooters. They have guys. Uh, guys can be off, and they still have some guys who can knock down shots. I mean, you mentioned um, Cameron, Kenny, Joel, and Luke as three-point shooters, but Brandon Robinson comes in. It's two for two from three and gives uh, UNC six points off the bench. I thought played good defense, so he's getting more looks as well. There's a bunch of players shooting over that 35% mark, which which is great and which you, which you want to see. Um, I think the lack of interior scoring is the one blemish 
the one the, the lack of one guy who can get you a basket down low i think that's so valuable you saw it with hansborough and and zeller and bryce johnson and of course sean may i think having that type of player that type of offense is super valuable um come march and i don't think unc has that um and so that's gonna be something we'll continue to talk about and i think that will be the one uh issue with this team moving forward but i think um they're in a good position offensively where they can do a lot of things in transition. They have some guys who can create, I think Joel Berry and, and, and Theo Pinson and even Luke can kind of get in the lane and, and draw the defense out so they can kick it out and get, and get good looks. Uh, Theo Pinson was 0 for four from three, but I thought all his shots were good shots. Uh, obviously it's not clicking for him, but if you can knock one of those down, it's, it's, we're having a different discussion. So it's a three, I mean, it's a, it's a wing dominated team that has some really, really good shooters that lacks a, a go-to traditional post score. And I think that's kind of the identity of this team. And they're making, uh, doing their best with that lineup and what they have. And it's just a different kind of UNC team. And it's kind of fun to watch and exciting to see how it all pay out, play out. Because they do have some players. You know, Joel, Theo have been there. Cameron Johnson, Kenny, and Luke are, are big-time college players. So that's what they have heading into to Georgia Tech on, uh, on Saturday. Tommy, to to build on that real quick, uh, Ross and I talked about this during our, our post-game conversation after Clemson. But regardless of what kind of team this is, if they shoot too many threes, if they're inside out, if they're outside in, whatever lineup he wants to use, the fact that this team has proven time and time again that it can be the better team in the final seven or eight minutes. You even at Florida State, where they rallied and came up short when uh, Barry missed that floater. But you look at Wake Forest, you look at Tennessee, you look at Notre Dame, you look at Clemson. UNC has consistently proven that they can get the job done late. And that's experience, that's veteran leadership, that's playing in back-to-back national championship games. That, more than anything, is going to define how this team is moving forward. All the other things are talking points, and it'll come together or not by the end of the year. Uh, but this team's identity is one that can be scrappy when it needs to be, can get stops, can make shots, uh, and that's going to that's gonna carry them a long way uh, through ACC play and into the postseason. One note real quick. Sorry. This is, this is like the movie that you think is over, but it keeps yeah, going. I don't want to be like the last word guy, but just an interesting note. Uh, UNC obviously played Tuesday night. Georgia Tech plays Thursday night against Virginia and has to travel to Chapel Hill to play UNC on Saturday. A huge advantage scheduling and rest-wise for the Tar Heels there. Indeed. Last question. (laughs) 15 seconds left on the clock. Down one or tie game. Who does Roy Williams give the ball to? Ross, you're first. Uh, Joel Berry to – actually, ugh. Theo Pinson to drive and then kick out to uh, one of, of four players, Luke. Cameron, Kenny, or Joel on the perimeter. Uh, so you have two options there. Uh, Theo driving foul or kick out three. Greg, one guy, 15 seconds left. Who's Roy Williams give it to? Joel, uh, I think 15 seconds left, you, you see exactly what you saw at Florida State, where Joel drives, he's your playmaker. Uh, the shot's not there. He's supposed to kick out. He didn't kick out in Tallahassee, uh, but you know, even taking that shot, Roy was comfortable with it. And I think that uh, speaks volumes. Great points there. I see Pinson getting the ball a lot in late shot clock. 
in late game situations. It'll be interesting because I think Carolina will be in a lot more of these close games as the ACC goes on down the line. Ross, Greg, appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Tommy. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.